And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. So we're talking about false pretenses now, and this is this week's episode of um, Star Trek Lower Decks. Larry, we just watched this episode recently. Um, let's uh, let's dive into it. So in a non-spoiler way, what, what was going on in this week's episode of Lower Decks? Well, this was an interesting one, and this I felt like this one maybe really exploited, well, I guess they all do, but I really like the angle this one exploited, the whole concept of the below decks guys versus, because you wouldn't have this. Uh, well, you would, but it would be a different level. But basically, you had the screw-up that no one knew was a screw-up because he was doing such a good job of keeping up a false pretense, mm. or maybe, what's that, what did, what did we used to call it, the Peter Principle, where you get to a certain point, and then you get promoted to us. Remember this? You get to you get promoted to a certain point. And they're in a service military situation, but even in work or whatever, where you're elevated, you're plateau, you're 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 promoted, you're elevated, and then you plateau out. Right. But everything right. is about seniority or whatever, and you know. And then you yeah, get there's you're running to a ceiling, and yes, yes. there's only so many more options. Um, only so many basketball there, there's, players can be NBA pros, right? right? Only so yeah. many people can get that C-suite office. Um, there's only so many VPs, all all that sort of stuff. Or in the military, there's only so many captains or admirals, all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we got a case here of of uh, Ensign Fletcher, <laughs> who is another lumpy-headed, curvy-headed brunette. Uh, command guy which is kind of funny it's like they're all over the place on this show but it turns out that you know even somebody you knew from the academy somebody you knew as a friend and you have to as boimler has to do see them with new eyes when they screw up and then they just go from being one of the fun gang to as everyone else is progressing along getting left behind and uh and he turns out to be that way and then suddenly starts blathering in a really <laughs> immaturely stupid kind of way. And you go, oh, my God, this guy's an idiot. He, you know, he um, he wants to be smarter. And so he connects himself to a anyway. Um, so the thing is to cover up this gap. Right. He tries to punch himself up and he, he basically lies. He starts lying. To his false pretenses, not so much that he's a liar, but he's trying to cover his status. And he goes from faking faking an accident, faking an attack, to uh, you know, that scene there. He's like taking somebody who's calling him crazy, and he's like gonna he's gonna puff up and you know fight over it and fight. You know, he there he's like, oh my god, I was knocked out, I was attacked. 
and then he's going to fight them over it. And finally, in the end, when everyone puts gets together, he finally has to fess up that he really screwed up. Yeah. And can't yeah. we all just let this go by at the same time all of his friends and coworkers go, oh, and and you know the very nature of the him, him feeling the need to keep up this faux pretentious this facade uh, it's all blown away now and and you kind of see that he was right to think to think that and oh my god my mind is just going to real life right now but yeah. the fear of being exp- the fear of missing out the fear of being exposed as a fraud even though we kind of we kind of know that we're not so out of touch that we don't have the innate sense of that. So here's the case where rather than just finding a way to be happy with where you are, which is difficult when you're in probably in a as stressful a competitive situation as like Starfleet is or something that's, mm. you know, we can't all be five star generals in the in the real military, you know, whatever. There's there's tons of of privates and ensigns out there for every general. So um, or any anyway, or CEO. There's tons of front level employees for every CEO. Right, right. And that's um, kind of what this was about. I mean, that's that's kind of what I took away from it and then how we deal yeah. with that and what happens. And but this but uh, you know, it's whether it's hypocrisy or it's some kind of lying. Now what we got into talking about this theme today very quickly yeah. last night <laughs> was that I said, you know, we we talked about um uh putting up a false front and all that. But there's a difference here between when you're being paid to do it. <laughs> so all the Star yeah. Trek plots about being a spy or the plots about, you know, alien takeover, alien interaction. I had a disease. I had a whatever affecting me. Um, we, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we're per- personally motivated to, um, to try to, you know, be something differently. So, you know, Troy being a Cardassian spy. <laughs> All that kind of thing is um, – that's not what we're talking about uh, as a false pretense. We're talking about something arising out of our individual actions. So, Yeah, there's um, – The way so Fletcher couple, did in this episode, yeah. Yeah, Scott says, um, it was difficult for me to pull anything coherent out of this week's Lower Decks episode. So more power to you for finding that theme in there. I'll rewatch it with this in mind. And Libby says, this week's Lower Deck was the most real to me. And I, I kind of feel – both ways about this week's episode is um i didn't um i didn't enjoy this week's episode as much as last week's in terms of how much fun i had with it however i also felt that there are some very real themes happening in this week's episode so i agree with both of you scott and and livy in, in your take on, on this week's episode um so um for me um there's a lot happening here, Larry, that I think speaks to what we all are, we are all going through. So, um, part of it is a continuation of what we were talking about in our jealousy episode, oh so long ago, <laughs> um, where you might feel like you can only share certain parts of yourself and you are not authentically sharing really what's going on for you. So uh, this happens on social media all the time where you might be seeing a lot of highlights of other people's days and lives and their experiences. And inside you are struggling. Um, you are yes. feeling down. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling overwhelmed. 
but you feel like you can't share that part of yourself. Um, you can't. I do open, want, you can't share the vulnerability, and you're, you're yes. but you're you're hostage to yeah. Everybody's bright, happy, shiny life. Right. Not realizing that ninety percent of them are all the same as you. <laughs> Everyone's right. putting their bright, shiny life out, and and not their their gritty everyday ups and downs. Yeah. Right. So. I think that's a big part of what's going on right now. Um, and, and yeah, we, this, this can get complicated very quickly. Like when you think about, um, the ideas of like misinformation on, on the one end, there is, um, unwittingly sharing something that might be untrue. And then there's believing something that is untrue. There is, intentionally um, uh, um, sharing a falsehood and then there's intentionally trying to create deception and misinformation and propaganda and all of that it's a whole spectrum of stuff and we're we're not talking about the more um, uh, industrialized in, in, yes yeah yeah we're not talking about the uh, propaganda or um, espionage or um, big attempts at at manipulating large groups of people, but or we're talking about or accidents, like or accidents, old, yeah, good old alien disease yeah. and takeover plots. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we're we're really talking about um, in very personal ways, mm-hmm. and um, if you look at that, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of examples from from Star Trek as well as personal lives that that we can explore. Um, you know, the very first thing that came to, oh, and I should say, Tim says, um, wasn't Troy a Romulan spy, not a Cardassian. It was Kira who got surgically altered to look like a Cardassian. Very yes. good, Tim. I was just yes. seeing who was awake this morning. <laughs> we wanted to see who would pick up on our false, uh, pretense here. <laughs> Thank you, Tim, for that. And I love, um, I love your, your profile. And your right prize is a mistakenly labeled ship in a bottle episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good callback. Good callback, Larry. Um, the last Larry, show, yes. There's um, there's a lot of great uh, examples from the canon. Um, where where would you like to go first? Oh well, I, you know, I'm I'm trying to think. I think the first thing that went for one thing, my my what kicked in. I know what your first instinct was, which is yeah. good. But my first one. Again, we're in a world of supposedly perfect Starfleet humans in the 23rd and 24th centuries, but my, so it's like if you're doing a false pretense and you're in Starfleet, there's something really, really deep going on. And the first place I went to was Dr. Bashir and his genetic, his genetic, yeah. his illegal genetically enhanced background, which was out of his control. And, you know, he wasn't, his parents were pursued for it, but he wasn't. It's, I mean, the K, the mini K three on this is that you know it was a thing they cooked up for the what fifth season, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and Sid Alexander Siddig there as the actor was like, like what? <laughs> this whole time I've been playing a which, to their credit, to the writer's credit, that you could kind of weave it in, and some of the arrogance of Bashir and all of some of the story bits, you know, the pre-ganglionic five mistook one thing and i right right, right. <laughs> that all kind of fit it was like okay my cover oh, is so be, beautiful not that perfect and i love that image there because you know the he and o'brien's uh interestingly buddy relationship the biggest ripple of that was i'm gonna stand back farther when we play darts <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You know? 
That was kind of the upshot. <laughs> but then they, of course, then they use it to go forward. You know, they play with it. But yeah. that that whole ramification of but. There's a case where even in perfect 24th century, you're keeping up a <laughs> one of the few times you're keeping up a pretense. But uh, um, it's it's like DS9 was full of that, and I think it was yeah. you, was it you that said everybody in yeah we can talk about any character in Deep Space Nine, but Larry, that's the problem or, or Picard, with life support. Life, I think was yeah. right, right, right. Discovery too. Would we come into these false pretenses? It's is full of it. The problem with life support live is um, every week's episode can apply to nearly every character on Deep Space Nine, <laughs> but that just speaks to the the psychological complexity of of that show. Uh, my well, first, and, I, and, I, I, and I'm laughing to say also apparently the new the new and some would say this is what their issue is like also. Uh, Discovery and also Picard. Because <laughs> we've got some here, but yeah. Broken well, my, people, all the broken I, people. Where do I they think, all um, Where do they all Where do uh, they all come? That's our second uh, Beatles reference of our two-hour recording. Um, wonderful reference there. Um, one of my favorite Beatles songs. I didn't actually. sing it. No, but you... I could. One, two, three. All the broken people. Where do they all belong? <laughs> um, it was a parody of that that Dr. Domeno used to play. Okay. What was I going to say, Larry? Ah, yes. Blue I was going to say Julian Bashir. So Julian Bashir's a good example of, um, of really trying to hide a truth that perhaps he feels ashamed of. Or um, very anxious and fearful of losing his career, probably. Um, and also anger. I think there's anger at his parents. There's shame at breaking the rules and um, maybe doing so well in this field for a quote-unquote unnatural reason or an illegal reason. Um, having this advantage that other people don't have. And then also a fear of losing his career if this is found out. There's a lot of re- a lot of motivations that might be putting pushing him to these false um, and he had nothing pretense. to do with it he was he didn't and he had nothing throw a look. Yeah. yeah 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 he didn't he never asked for this um he was he was a small child when when they uh when they did this um um, the other character that comes up is the other character in this image which is o'brien um and and i think O'Br- uh, there's many times where O'Brien, and I'm not talking about his undercover work with Starfleet Intelligence and the Orion Syndicate. I'm not talking about that that stuff. I'm talking about the times where O'Brien is hanging out with Julian because maybe he doesn't want to go home um, and be with Keiko because maybe they're having some trouble um, in their marriage because... Her, she's kind of sacrificed her career to be on Deep Space Nine, um, and they're doing it for his career um, and all the different um, things that were going stresses, on. In, yes. uh, all the stresses, or maybe it's because of uh, the stress of um, of Kira carrying their child, Sorry. which was yeah yeah. yeah, 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 which was a wonderful way of hiding. Um, uh, Nana's pregnancy while maintaining her character is, is just brilliant. They had brilliant hey, ways hey, of working. Hey, I'll handle the K threes around here. Ha! I'll 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 stay in my lane. <laughs> um, no, no, no. O'Brien's O'Brien's false pretense is so universal, and it speaks to what I'm going to talk about in the counselor's log of 
how we um we might tell ourselves stories and really start believing those stories when they might not actually be true. But I think what O'Brien does there is uh, something that we all do um, quite often. Um, so that that's an example that came up. And you, you've got another great Deep Space Nine example, Larry, that I want to uh, put up on screen. Oh, the one. Um, yes. Wow. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this one right here. So Amon Maritza, this Cardassian. The the great thing about the, the the episode is first season duet. I mean, I remember when that flew by, and I was like, "Oh my god!" That's to me that yeah. was easily the best in the in the moment. Uh, I mean, the pilot was great too, but duet was a great, and it was duet. It was it was Akira, uh, Amon Maritza's show. Everybody else was kind of on the sidelines, and it totally took um, the uh, you know the Nazi Jewish or excuse me the Cardassian. Bajoran struggle conflict who's the bad guy who's the good guy who's the oppressor who's the aggrieved and turned it inside out because in a personal way because here you've got a guy who's presenting this hateful hateful Cardassian you know I'm I will be unbent you were so lucky to have us running your pitiful little planet guy that you expect to be your worst stereotype of the worst who's been hiding supposedly and claims to be the butcher of Galatep, right? Who claims to be the the, the notorious, whatever the, the Himmler or the whatever of of this of this camp, who's been a wanted war criminal who no one ever found, and yet in the end, spoiler alert, in the end you find out he was this little file clerk who felt so guilty for what his people yeah. had done. Yeah. That he was going to come out and basically martyr himself out of his own personal guilt as a way to make – and not tell anybody. Like he wasn't going to tell anybody at the end, ha, huh, thank you. I now feel you – know, on his deathbed, thank you for killing me. I felt so guilty for my people that I made you kill me thinking I was this horrible person. I have now died for your sins, right? Yeah, yeah. And – and they expose it, and she kind of she doesn't crush him at the end, but they expose him for not. You're not really the butcher of Galatep. Who are you? And they find out he's just this file clerk, and they're letting him go. And then a and then a random mob Bajoran person comes up and kills him because they think he's still that you know. And so it's this horrible tragedy, but um, but he's keeping up this false pretense for 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 his I don't know for for mental health therapy martyrdom i mean it's really a it's and it but it's just a fascinating but he is so harris ulan who i heard is like was really a bear he's passed on now but he was really a bear to work with but he's so intense in this role and it totally mm -hmm. works and it was like such a standout for you know first season wobbles of any show and that was such a came late in the first season but it was such an amazing amazing episode I think it's on yep. his list of top 10. Discs. It's on everyone's list. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, both Scott <laughs> and Jared have said that uh, Duet um, is in the top five um, Star Trek episodes of all time. And um, such a, a wonderful episode that really establishes aspects of who the Cardassians are and how they're unique and different. Um, and also this this occupation and the themes of the occupation that are going to play out over the course of Deep Space Nine, the allegory to the Nazis, um, 
just um it, it set up so much of what was then paid off later with Ducat and um mm. and it's just it's it's one of the best um and and so uniquely speaks to what we're talking about with these false pretenses and how they can be relatively benign uh from what we're talking about with O'Brien to intentional uh mm. what we're talking about with Bashir and to a very gray area like in in duet um and how much of that was intentional how much of that was something that he actually believed himself um it's it's unclear when when did the lie become the truth in his mind um and unfortunately our our minds are definitely capable of doing this it's something i'll talk about in counselor's log that's a beautiful example larry can we can we and then if we want to segue some more maybe the yeah. false pretense is getting back to a little bit about the jealousy we were talking about lost status yeah maybe uh one way of coping with that can also be and i've got a next gen example here early mm-hmm. if you want to if you mm-hmm. want to do it up there uh, I, let me let me uh, redirect power to the view screen, and there we are. <laughs> yeah, Kaczynski, who never got a first name, so that's part of what he's jealous about. No, he also didn't get a badge in that screenshot. Yeah, well, he was he was like a he was a civilian, which was bizarre. This was early. This was like the <laughs> it's of, early D and G. Yeah, lots of wild stuff. Show. Yeah, but you know the traveler. I was trying to find one with him and the traveler in it, but this was such a great picture about him looking. Um, oh, put it up again. Yeah, you got it. You got view screen forward. Yeah, there we go. Uh, enhance and magnify. Um, <laughs> no, he's he's coming in as the great propulsion rocket expert here, the great warp expert, theoretical physicist, and he's a fraud. He's got them doing all these wacky doodle things that you know, even a kid knows he's being you know, <laughs> even even Wesley knows that it's. And then you find out it's this alien, and that's his piece, you know, the traveler, and he's transdimensional, and he's the, really a time lord. Oh, wait, that's crossing streams. Nah! <laughs> I love it. I love but it. But you find out it's not really him, and it's not really. First, they just think they're all impressed with him. And then as the episode goes along, and things are going haywire, and they're in another part of the galaxy, then they've made a jump to another galaxy. Maybe they've made a jump to another dimension. Um, and he's doing it all without spores. Um, that, that, uh, that maybe he doesn't quite know everything. You know, like, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like, um, um, uh, Daystrom when he loses control of M5, you know, it's mm-hmm. it only, mm-hmm. only even more so, uh, he's lost control and he can't fix it. He can't, you know, and then he's really, ex- he's exposed not as a complete fraud because he knew enough to get to a certain point, but yeah. now He's topped out a little bit, a little bit like um, a little bit like Daystrom, although Daystrom had more room to grow. He was just losing it. But Kaczynski's totally exposed as this. The fame that he's had the last few years is really attributed to the work. That he's the progress is really right. attributed to the traveler. And the traveler was playing his own little prime directive and not just telling him everything and not just showing right. everybody everything until he had to come in and fix things and almost, you know, martyred himself. But it was an interesting and they didn't really dwell on this. You know, it's it became all about Will uh, Wesley, <laughs> Will <laughs> Wesley and the Traveler at the end, and not some you know. And then Kaczynski was like the big plot bit until the end, and then he's kind of like thrown aside. Oh, you're a fake. No, let's let's concentrate on this weird guy and Wesley's lesson of the week. 
But if you'd gone back to him, it would have been interesting to see, like, you know, like, okay, so we're yanking your cred- – I mean, you know, whatever happens. Uh, you're losing your Starfleet contract, but we don't have contracts because we're post-scarcity. <laughs> so right, right, right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it was it was a moment where this guy was obviously keeping up a false pretense out of continuing his status, continuing his yes, you know, yes. self worth, his self identification, whatever. Um, uh, there should been a later plot where they might have handled it a little nicer, a little. Well, more. I'm I'm glad you're bringing yeah. up this example, Larry, because there's again so many real world applications here right now, and so on the individual front. We can talk about how um, the stories we tell ourselves and what happens when we find out part of that story is not true. Um, this can often happen if if you later in life um, relearn or you you get exposed to some information you didn't have. That's a core part of your story. Um, I'm trying to think of examples of of my life that that relate here and. Um, one thing I, um, <laughs> I just had a, uh, like, this is a very benign example, but, um, and she's probably not watching this, this video, but, um, uh, there was a, a girl I sat next to in fifth grade. Yeah. And I always thought, <laughs> I know, um, her name was Heather. And I always thought, um, she didn't like me. And, um, years, years, years later, um, didn't like me in terms of thought I was dumb or stupid or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not like, uh, I had a crush on her. I just wanted to be friends with her. I thought she was cool and I thought she didn't like me. Well, years later, probably 2005-ish when Facebook was still relatively new, we reconnected on Facebook. We messaged, how's it going? What's your life like? This is when social media was kind of a happy place. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Grandma! And, um, oh! Fellow and classmate we, <laughs> I haven't seen in 20 years. Yeah. Right, right, right. It was that phase. <clears throat> and I found out that she always thought I didn't like her. And um, it, it just kind of, um, it was one of those moments where I was like, what are you talking about? All these years, I thought you thought I was dumb. And she's like, all these years, I thought you thought I was dumb. Um, and Tom it, City. Okay. Right, 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 right. And this is a very benign example. I could give you many, many others from my life that um, would you, Doctor Trek, you'd have to give me give me therapy for for these examples I could bring up of times I I learned something that made me see my past in a new way. But that's that's one example of it. The other example that you bring up with this this TNG episode speaks to how loss of status can really activate a group. So when when a group that's been in power loses that power or perceives loss of power, um, it becomes highly activated. And some scholars have pointed to the rise of Donald Trump in the United States as an example of that. That um, a certain group of Americans who feel like the country, they might be losing status in the country, are are doing everything they can to, to keep it going. But one of the greatest ways to activate a community of people is to make their status feel threatened. Um, and um, there's a lot of danger that can happen as a result of that. So I think that's another real world relevance right there from that episode. I mean, we, um, yeah, we've been 
talking about individual cases here, but uh, yeah, yeah, as a mass, I'm trying to think now, and maybe we'll have somebody jump in the chat here in Star Trek of a case of uh, of mass false pretenses or or false false. Pretenses. Well, the Card I think we can we can dive into the Cardassians <laughs> with that a lot. Um, on a brighter note, um, uh, Riseland fifty three says Doctor Matthews wearing a cool shirt. Thank you. This is one of my favorites. It says geek on it with a lot of geeky things, and there is right there is a Starfleet emblem. I think the Enterprise is in here too somewhere. Oh, um, I thought, see, I thought you were doing something for General Electric there for the longest time. General Electric, G. yeah, I could see that. You bring in good things to light, so okay. <laughs> right, right. Are they still around? Does G- GE still yeah. exist? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, um, we've got a few other examples here, or we can march forward, Larry. Um, we can you know, we can dance through these real quick, um, because like I said, we were laughing about it, but like yes, Picard and Discovery are full of it. I just yeah. of, of all, I mean, you could have put uh, Agnes in here. She's yep. in the crew as false pretenses. I felt like that that pl- again, like with um, with Je- well, false. We were talking about staying away from you know espionage and spying and all of that organized and i felt like she she didn't know she was but i felt like part of her false pretense was as an instrument of somebody else's you know it was like against her yes. will she didn't yeah. intend to you know or, or kill bruce maddox she was right. totally acting out of which is why we think some people were incensed that we she didn't suffer any consequences and i want to go well the series isn't over guys right 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 but, we got another uh, season she coming was an, yeah she was an instrument of of a conspiracy plot there. Uh, but this, that image we put up there of Raffi, she's, she comes back and joins Picard's little expedition, but she's really, she really jumps aboard in the beginning to be, it's kind of like Dr. Smith on Lost in Space. <laughs> she's really aboard in the first place to, uh, to, on her own agenda, which then blows up on her, which is sad, yeah. tragic, yeah. and we learn more about her character. And yeah. after her own agenda blows up, and her false pretense is kind of exposed, although not really, but, you know, to herself. Um, then she decides to hang around because, you know, she's a regular. She might as well. Um, <laughs> she but but she came aboard. the. I want to say false pretense. It's not like she didn't say I'll go with you as far as. Free cloud. She didn't totally she didn't totally pull a, a, a you know. A spy mission here for herself, but she still she went ahead and anyway. I just thought she didn't. She, tell she had her personal. She had a personal reason for joining that was not completely made clear to right. right. Jean Luc to JT, um, uh, as as she said, and then reinforced uh, by the fact that she came back. Not JT, JL, JL, JL. We're both a little off our game today. I can you tell we're a little rusty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a little rusty. Like we're all in a ship in the bottle. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but my point is, she came back. And that was not like part of the plan, so false. But, so, oh, go ahead, Larry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say don't... so, but but the other one of the modern show, and we've still got another couple here. Um, but the other one, I guess the you know even I don't know of, of the modern shows of the Kurt yeah. Smith shows, maybe the biggest one is the the one here I've got, uh, and I've got it personified through his reunion with an old girlfriend, although they're both high up flag officers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is Lorca's case, right? He's. Right, know. right. 
And and it's and that's and even though it's about I'm really from the mirror universe, the Terran Empire, and I'm using you guys. Uh, it was really an individual. He wasn't part of a big, you know, master plot. It's his own agenda. It's his own thing. So I, I categorize that. That's a completely false pretense, and he kept it up for oh, I don't know several episodes. And right. he's finally, you know, maybe the person he's closest to in history is the first person to expose the audience to the fact that what what's going on here. And that's what the scene there was from. You were gr- uh, you were like grimacing and winking. Well, it's just uh, it's uh, um, everything about the character and what's wrong with the character, and um, it, it, I think it's just right there in that image. Um, um, so yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, just a few things for our comment section. I think this is a comment. Tim's comment is something probably every Star Trek fan will probably agree with. Um, Tim says, uh, I agree, Discovery and Picard were definitely full of it. <laughs> now, <laughs> you can take that however you will. Whether that was your Tim full... trigger, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was... Whether they're full of examples of false pretenses or full of something else, Tim, I think your comment will uh, will please everyone. Um, Jared's got some great examples. Uh, the Voyager episode, False Prophets, is definitely a good episode mm-hmm. uh, or a good example of that um ash tyler on discovery we keep bringing him up every week larry and we both also don't want to talk about that example <laughs> well, too much we talk, we, ash tyler is an obvious one from an obvious show but yeah he was really the extent of a plot by laurel and the klingons right. to, I mean, you know it's like he wasn't right it's not like that was something he did on his own so that's why we discounted it was obviously a false pretense. Yeah, but we discounted it as a he was a an element of a, and, a larger plot. Of a and larger speaking movie. of Klingons, Libby's got a great comment here, speaking to loss of status and how that can lead to um, anger and, in some cases, violence and activate a group of people. Libby says the Klingons see everything as a threat to their honor, and and Libby, that's a great example because they see it as a as a threat to their status of who they are and how do they react they react with aggression and pushing back um which is what often can happen with large communities and groups of people when they're although can i say that the individual klingons can always often use honor as an excuse for a lot of behaviors (laughs) that other klingons might go you know come on right Right, right, right. Um, let's see. The same way uh, other Larry, cultures you... use their, you know, their trademark. Oh, I don't know. Like we're the good guys, democratic, and all that, and you can use that as a cover to do get away with all kinds of individualized actions. You know, there's a great episode from TNG. Speaking of of TNG <laughs> from a little bit earlier, where this is the um, first thing you thought of, actually. This I... is a, yeah, yeah. I I really like this episode because. Um, this episode where an alien is, is really, um, under false pretenses, um, uh, pretending to be Riker's, um, Riker's son. And, um, w- what I like about it is it kind of gets to a place where Riker does start to believe it until Minuet and, and all of that. And then, then it's very obvious to him. But w- why I like it is I, I like that part of what, what happens to Riker that he can start to believe this idea and this world. And I think that's, that's something we all are vulnerable to is if we're given some of the information we want 
to <laughs> to see and hear, we might start to believe it, even if it's not true. Um, but you had a um, a TOS example that uh, I yeah, I was going back to, and you know, like I said, Kirk in the neutral zone with the Enterprise incident, but that there he's an instrument. This was one, you know, Roger Corby masking from Christine, his old fiance, Chapel, when we first meet her, that he's now an android and keeping it a secret. And then so the big reveal is a shock to everyone, uh, to Christine, to Kirk, to a 1966 audience. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, but he you, you're talking about uh, people that that they start believing their lies yeah. And and Corby there, especially thinking that, oh, I'm just transferred my essence into this android body, but it hasn't changed me at all. <laughs> and, uh, oh, look, we're back to being relevant here with seeing whether Picard's new android body, which a lot of fandom is saying it's not really Picard. Well, we'll see how the show plays out. Yeah. But it was a question I had, had I, I, know, I know we talked about it at the time, but as I pulled the slide last night, I'm thinking false pretenses, but it's it's very relevant. We'll be watching how the false pretense or not of Picard in an android body plays out on Picard. But Corby here, from what a little girl's made of, kind of got to that briefly way back in the 60s. Uh, but he, he'd begun to believe his, not so much his lies, he, he eventually didn't deny that he was an android. He didn't, he kept up the pretense that he wasn't. But even when he was exposed, he was locked in the, oh, no, I'm still the same guy. We can still be together. You know, it takes her to go, no, no, don't think so. And yeah. and look at your yeah. actions already. You're killing people. You're hijacking. You're, you're, you're kidnapping people. Come on, Bucky. Come on, Roger. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is a, which is a good segue into the counselor's log here. You're welcome. And, uh, <laughs> doing a little bit of a deeper dive into this whole idea of <laughs> false pretenses. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of ways I was debating, um, where to take the counselor's log today. Part of me wants to talk about the Dunning Kruger effect, which is, um, this, this bias that we all have <laughs> where we overestimate how good we are or how knowledgeable we are, um, especially when we're not experienced or um, don't really um, know much about ourselves as it relates to something. So um, this is something we're all really vulnerable to, and it's a way it's kind of an unconscious false pretense is, oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm good at this when, in fact, um, you might be very inexperienced. It's, maybe some of us have experienced this where you might um, um, try a new activity for the first time. Like, oh, yeah, I, I'm sure I could draw that. How hard could it be? Or I'm sure I can go snowboarding. Yeah, how hard can that I be? I can fix that. I can fix <laughs> Yes, that's a, that's a great example. Toilets clogged. I'm sure I can do this myself. And, Bingo, and got Lucy and Ethel in the shower, about to drown. Ooh, was that <laughs> right. was that too yeah. old a reference? It's on YouTube, kids. It's okay. uh, it's not too old a reference because it gets back to uh, the genesis of Star Trek. There, um, no, I uh, th that's a great example. Larry is uh, the Dunning Kruger effect. Um, is always happens when we think we can just kind of fix something, and we. All of us overestimate our abilities when we're inexperienced with something. 
And, um, we don't have the benefit of experience to understand all the kind of stuff that might come up and all the kind of stuff that might go wrong and all the, we don't know what we don't know, right? So there's false pretenses there, but that doesn't quite get to what we've been talking this week. So the other way I wanted to really get into is the role of stories. So, We've talked many times on Life Support Live about how we can write about our own experience and that it can help us to work through trauma, um, how the role of journaling when we might be stuck in a situation, just 20 minutes of journaling over four days um, can sometimes be enough to get us through the situation. But I wanted to talk about stories in a little bit more detail today. We tend to think of stories as... Um, the stories we tell ourselves based upon the actions we've taken that like I, I, I did this, this happened and this happened and this is why I've become the person I've become. But one of the things that people don't, don't really think about is not only do we tell stories about the experiences we've lived through, but the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves have a huge impact on what we do. So stories work both ways, and um, duet is a pretty good example of that, Larry. I, I think every episode we've talked about is a good example of this. But when you start to tell a story about yourself, you start to live more according to that story. For better and worse, the stories simplify... We all experience this. The stories we tell ourselves, they simplify our memories. They make certain experiences stick out and they guide our behavior. So if you, uh, for better and worse. So if you start to tell a story. prophecy. Yes. Yes. Quite, quite, quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking self, self fulfilling prophecy is similar to false, false false pretenses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but um uh the psychologist Adler put it put it well when he said um you tell the story first and then you live your way into it um and and that is something that can be helpful when we start to tell a story about how we've overcome adversity and grown from it but it can also be harmful if we start to tell a story about how we have been um a victim we've been persecuted against by these other people or um, that nothing good ever happens to us. When we start to tell stories about ways in which we're not good enough or we're very bad or we've been a victim, um, it can really limit what you do. Um, so this is just something for all of us to be aware of. And I'll, I'll dive into the counselor's log a little bit, uh, or I'll dive into a way mission in just a few moments, but um, stories work both ways. They're very, very powerful in simplifying our memories and guiding our actions. Um, and we saw that with all the characters we've talked about uh, today. Uh, Larry, I, I know uh, to, you might not be able to surprise me on today's K3 because I think I know where it's headed, but that's because it's a probably a topic you and I have t- spoken about many times. But lo- let's dive into the K3 factor. So K3 this week, and for anybody that's new, and I think we've had some new folks, I've been not been great about uh, checking new names, but I think I've seen a couple new ones, especially on YouTube this week. So first of all, welcome, and I think I saw a couple of new Twitchers, at least one new Twitch person, uh, who's probably long gone by now. 
Uh, but yeah, false pretenses. And again, sometimes we tell ourselves lies and get caught up in a false pretense or we're trying to keep... And sometimes I think it's 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 not all that intentionally malignant a reason. You know, sometimes I think we get caught up. But whatever it is we're caught up in maintaining, like status when we shouldn't be or position or whatever... Um, yeah, the one that one that came up to me in real life, K3, outside the studios, but still in Star Trek, was the case of at least one. This happens other times, but one I'm very familiar with. It was the case of the Ultimate Fantasy Convention in Houston in 1982, where planners set out to have the most at the time. You know, this is like six years before the next generation, so there's no bloody A, B, C, or D. It's the original... It's the original series cast, and literally no A even. The original series cast right on the eve of the Wrath of Khan coming out, Star Trek II, and someone wanting to have a humongous, not just an all-cast convention, but an, an entertainment extravaganza, an arena show, a rock concert for Star Trek. And this was happening in Houston, and they had every, they wound up not having Leonard Nimoy, but which is a total side story anyway. But look at this, including the, and and um, Merritt Buttrick isn't on this, but Merritt Buttrick wound up going, including Kirstie Alley and Merritt Buttrick from Two and Mark Leonard, but Hard Bennett from the you know the new producer of the new movie, and this huge arena show tacked onto the uh, the actual ongoing Houston Con, and I don't know how long some of some of you all Larry are. Larry, I hate to interrupt, but it's pronounced Con. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that a, that's not a drinking point it ought to be it, um, yes. in the game in the drinking game but yes the point here is that and yes there are other examples in and out of star trek of events basically the whole idea of why i am now working on and yes i am still working on it we're going to finish it a documentary about the ultimate fantasy under its actual <laughs> its eventual name uh, the nickname that some folks gave it that weekend, not me, um, the con of wrath. It's, I just liken it to the train, you know, the train that goes off the rails or the train that plows over the bridge, even though the whole crew knows the, the, the bridge is out, but we've got to get to the next station in time, <laughs> even though, you know, the bridge is gone and you just go right off the cliff. I've seen other events. This happened with a, uh, FedCon USA, which is an American version, uh, you know, which the the German the original Germans totally had nothing to do with it, but um, other there there's uh, there was a Firefly convention there was a famous Star Trek convention in the UK that had two successful incarnations, the Generations convention that officially that that was at the Royal Albert Hall, the third was going to be at Wembley Stadium and people showed up and all the doors were the padlocked. <laughs> Because of financial, you know, things fell apart financially, basically, in all these cases. But people knew that was the case. And why didn't, why didn't the organizers, all these cases, at the last second even, why didn't they cancel? Right? Even if it was the week, not the day of, they knew a week out, they knew two weeks out. And it's a lot of it, I think, is, I know in our case with the Connor Rath, people are, they're somewhere between, they can't cancel it because of the loss of status, even though blowing up and ripping people off and causing upheaval in people's lives is going to leave a much bigger loss of status and reputation than just canceling. But we're so locked into that moment. Um, gosh, you'd be great to talk about this. Uh, I should get you on. Oh, wait, I did. <laughs> 
Dr. Ali, everybody, is the only non-attending, non-physical person from the weekend in 1982 that's that's part of the, the comic. I, I feel quite honored to, to have that role. He's in a Thank small group. But, but yeah, so there's a real-world example of, and again, there's other examples, too. I remember people saying, well, there's other conventions that have gone bad. It's like, well, yes, I know, but this was at a sweet spot in time because fandom and, and pop culture and the Comic-Con world hadn't exploded yet. And we also get into some other threads. I've been working on this for several years, but we also get into geek girl fandom is not a new thing. That One of my favorite soapboxes is women have always been part of fandom, which we're coming back around to, but it's good to see that in this case. But um, but yeah, it's like, what is the psychology or the, or the guys doing the FedCon convention that we, in this case, Con of Wrath, the, the ultimate fantasy show went on. There's another picture there. You can see the revolving stage was built. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. See the arena. Let me pull this up. Um, you can look up in the rafters and see, like, no, there's not eighteen thousand people there. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's like maybe a hundred people on the floor sitting. That you know, it's like those seats were all supposedly a sellout. You know, um, but that happens. Yeah, it's it's a case of uh, they just. You know, what do you think about that? I mean, I know you've told me this a few a couple of years ago. But it's one of those cases where, where pride or fear of loss and people can't conceive the fact that the loss will be bigger if you plunge, you know, if you, if you had stopped the train and said, everybody get off, the bridge is out ahead. But no, you, people are also in you know, the, the, the Titanic steaming full steam ahead, even when there were icebergs, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there's another one. There's sorry, not Trek or is it? <laughs> In a future yeah. episode, the crew finds themselves on a holodeck gone wrong, and they think, no. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I, I think the Con of Wrath is an interesting one because um, it speaks to how advertising and marketing can work. And, and sometimes if mm-hmm. you say there's going to be thousands of people, that might be the thing that you need to get a thousand people in into the room and um it's uh well uh, can i just say real quick in this case there was sabotage up until about two weeks ahead of time they thought they had mostly sold out show three sold out arena shows right i'll just say right but they did find out two or three days ahead and didn't do anything about it so there's you know yeah it's um it, it's it's a really great uh example and um I've got this other image Larry I forgot I didn't put up yet mm-hmm. um what what's happening here in this one So this was supposed to be uh a dinner with the stars or a, yeah. a a banquet a luncheon you know with a big buffet table and a head table and you can see you can see Hard Bennett there and Dee and Jimmy mm-hmm. and 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 uh George um some of the Laura Banks, who was Khan's helmsman there. George, uh, George has the bullhorn there. Um, that was I call that the bullhorn press conference because you, if it looks chaotic, it was <laughs> because that was not what it was supposed to be, and that was one of the first attempts to tell people why things were falling apart back at the real convention. It was it was a two front war. It was insane. Somebody ought to do a good documentary about it, but. <laughs> <laughs> but but part of this is also uh, false pretenses, and in that case, you know, um, the chaos of what happens in the moment when the false pretense. In that case, it was like hundreds and thousands of people involved, not you know individual cases, one to one to one, small group. But it, but still, when the false pretense is revealed, like in the lower decks episode, when 
they're all standing there and it's kind of a mini crisis at the same time that like the chaos that can result because somebody had kept up a false pretense and then when it's finally ripped away you know the world has to be set right and sometimes there's consequences for that and this that's a case that case and all these failed conventions where people are out money, people lose money, yeah. people lose time, yeah. and much less the damage to reputation and and all that. Um, there's uh, just want to uh, pop into the comments section a little bit, and unfortunately, I, Larry, I muted myself because I was refilling my coffee and I forgot to unmute myself, so everyone missed my con impression. Um, oh, so I heard I, it, but I guess you, you heard it, but but no one else uh, people did hear. But when uh, Larry said um, it was a con, and I said I stopped him, and I said, Larry, it's actually pronounced con. Um, so in case you missed it, there it is. Uh, but uh, folks, but said, that is um, hardly that's hardly a substitute for me never hearing the happy music, sad music every week. I just want you to know. Oh. Yeah, Larry can't hear the happy, sad music. Um, uh, uh, We've got subspace is a complicated thing. It's it's a complicated thing. Tim says um, thirty dollars in those in in nineteen eighty two was a lot of money. That's that is a lot for um, Mm. for a con, Larry. I think I spent I spent twenty five dollars for all weekend admission for my first convention um, right before Star Trek Generations came out. And that was $25 in the 90s, early 90s for the whole weekend. So $30 for uh, that con was was a lot. That was the uh, arena show, I should say. That wasn't the convention. That was mm-hmm. just for the show. Just for the show. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Libby made the same <laughs> comment. Tickets, $30. Yeah. Wow. Um, so like then, rock concert. Just think rock concert. Tickets. Right. Um, Scott big, says big. Um, they didn't want to create a panic. Um, where have I heard that before? Mm-hmm. Um, Libby also says I missed that con. It was just before I started attention, um, attending conventions. Um, oh, and, um, Zaheer is here, um, with a, with a comment about Cisco. Cisco's status as emissary, a case of false pretense. He knows the prophets are aliens, but he ends up believing in them. Um, boy, we could spend a whole episode just kind of unpacking that, Zaheer. Um, and Tim says, we were spared an impression by Dr. Ali. Hey, Tim, you weren't spared. You were denied the benefit of that con. Uh, oh, Heidi says we did. Oh, yeah, we heard that. Yes, he oh, did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, Glenn says I heard the con reference. Well, folks, you got it twice then. I guess I wasn't muted. Um, you lucky ones got it yeah, twice. Yeah. <laughs> So um, with that, that's that's a great K3. But Larry, unfortunately, one that um, is not a surprise to me. Um, so you've broke your record now after 21 episodes. Um, the first K3 that has not surprised me. Maybe my away mission will surprise you. So I talked about two things earlier. I talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect where we tend to um, be more confident in situations that we don't have any experience in. And I also talked about storytelling and how stories, the stories we tell about ourselves really influence the actions we take. Um, so I want to give a couple of tips about both situations. So the Dunning-Kruger effect, one thing to know, folks, this happens to all of us. I am very much guilty of this. The toilet plumbing example is a real one. Um, I had a toilet break down on me a couple of years ago. I tried to fix it myself. I only cost 
a bigger problem and then had to pay <laughs> even more money to bring in a plumber. So what do you do when um, you might be vulnerable to this? There's one thing we can all do when we might be doing something for the first time um, or be very inexperienced at something is ask ourselves, what is the worst thing that can happen? It turns out that asking yourself that question, like what is the disaster scenario that can play out here, is one good way to address the Dunning-Kruger effect. If you're on your own and you're starting to feel overconfident, just ask yourself, and you might not even be aware that you're asking yourself uh, or that you're becoming overconfident, but asking yourself, what's the disaster that can, that can play out here? That can be a little helpful in overcoming this. What's the but, worst that can happen? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> I could spend a lot more money on a plumber than I ever anticipated can be the worst thing that happened. Um, uh, there's a YouTube channel I follow, Belief in Fatherhood, where it's, uh, it's a bunch of, uh, family, uh, it's a family vlog. And, um, I, I really like the perspective of this YouTuber. And he had a plumbing problem recently where one of his kids flushed something down the toilet and, um, he went to try to take care of it, bought his own tool to try to fix it. It turns out he made the problem even worse by pushing it way down deep uh-huh. inside. And now it was just, a bigger crisis you had to deal with. Dunning-Kruger effect in action, folks. Um, but, Larry, the, the better and more long-term solution to both the Dunning-Kruger effect and that overconfidence, as well as these starting to believe stories that might be causing you problems in your life, mm-hmm. is actually checking in with other people and um, having people that can give you a little bit of a reality check. Um so that's something that can help you with the Dunning-Kruger effect is before you're about to do something, run it by that friend that you have that will be very honest and open with you and, um, and, and see what their feedback is. The same thing with these stories. Um, this is actually one area where therapy can be very helpful, but if you have a good friend who's very honest with you is, um, sharing some of these stories that you have with other people that you trust who can maybe call you out and say, is that actually how it happened? That's what we see what happened with, uh, with O'Brien as he's I was speaking about to... to say very good. Yeah, no, please do. Yeah. Very please, good cadet. Please do. <laughs> no, no, I was about to say very, that's what about the time you wonder about Bashir and O'Brien's relationship, but Julian was a good friend there and said, now come on. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. you you run away from Keiko to be with me. It was there were some really bizarre little moments there where I love they could even as they left they could I just love you too. They could never really hug it. Well, they kind of <laughs> hugged it out gingerly, but it was it was very 1999 kind of radical guy hug. But yeah, yeah. But he calls yeah. out on it and says, "You're just you're just doing this, all this with me to get away from Keiko and the kids." We all need um, a good friend like that. We all need someone. It's okay to say, I need some away time. That's the next step. Yes, 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 absolutely. Like, be honest with yourself about what you need so you can express that to Keiko and you can be open with me. We all need a friend in our life who can serve that role of, of being very honest with, with us about when we might be deceiving ourselves. And then yes, and then if the and then if the actual action for what it really is is off the scale, then you can deal yeah. with it 
that way. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. 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 So it, this is one of those areas where it, there are some things you can do on your own, but it's a lot easier to overcome these problems through the help of someone else. Um, and maybe that person is a friend. Maybe that person is a therapist. Maybe that person is a colleague, but, um, not believing all of these things, checking in with someone else and getting their perspective is a great way to move forward about that. So with that, Larry, let's, um, let's o- briefly open up these hailing frequencies. Yep. We are over on time, but we do want to open up the hailing frequencies a little bit before we wrap up our, our, um, our super episode today, uh, where we're recording two super. weeks of content. Just super. Okay. <laughs> There's an impression, folks. Um, not quite sure who. But it's an accent. That was one of Eric Idle's uh, goofy voices from Python. Oh, yes. It's one of his uh, drag old lady, British lady voices. Um, okay. I want to dive in. <laughs> I want to dive. I want to move forward and look right past that one um, to do. Heidi's comment. <laughs> yeah. Heidi says, is imposter syndrome kind of false pretense? Um, yes, it is. And it's also a little something different. Um, I've got a whole episode on my YouTube channel about imposter syndrome. There's a lot of reasons why people might feel like they're an imposter, like they don't belong. Um, it's very common for people who are in um, minority groups who are underrepresented in certain roles for them to doubt themselves because they haven't had as much mentorship, um, because they haven't seen people like themselves in these roles. So um, whether you're a um, any kind of group that you might represent, whether you're a woman, a um, a someone from an ethnic minority group, um, LGBTQ plus person who's in a role where you don't see a lot of people like yourself, you might be really vulnerable to imposter syndrome, doubting yourself. Or if you've been in, let's say you're just the first person in your family to go to college and you might have a hard time relating to other people there and you might feel like you don't belong and you might doubt yourself because you haven't been told for years and years that this is a place where you belong. This is a place you can go to. Imposter syndrome might come up there. Or if you have an advisor, a mentor, boss who does make you doubt yourself and your abilities, you might feel imposter syndrome there. So a lot of reasons why you might doubt yourself. So um, check out that episode of uh, The Psych Show on imposter syndrome for more on that one. So great question, though, Heidi. Uh, let's see. Uh, Larry, any comments? Um, I, uh, I like one here, an anecdote from Jared. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, boy, speaking of imposter syndrome, no. Jared uh, said, shares this. He said there was a shooting at a convention here in mm. Florida several weeks before his annual Doctor Who convention. The shooter was never caught, but all that was on the news was that there was a Florida convention shooting. So, of course, the ticket sells. Um, I guess we were just off on that. Oh, the, the yeah. With Tom Graff. Uh, uh, you canceled it because the ticket sales dropped. So, in other words, what he's saying is he didn't try to keep up this this loser uh, he canceled it early on, so good on you. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was still a tragedy. The shooting was a tragedy. But the fact that just the news, you know, wound up coloring and ruining your business there was. Well, a, a lot of that's happening right now with my with my former home of uh, New York City. Um, in many ways, New York City has um, 
has really recovered strongly from the coronavirus. And um, it was just announced that New York City is going to be uh, reopening indoor dining at 25% capacity. A lot of restaurants are starting to open up. Unfortunately, a lot of restaurants have also gone out of business. But the economy of New York City in some ways is beginning to open up. But the news reports and perception that the public still has is of New York City from March and April, which was um, in a very dire state. So um, we're, what we're seeing in media doesn't always reflect what's happening in, in reality. I think that's another example of that. Uh, what was I looking at here? I saw... Oh, and just, uh, and again, Jared threw out JumpCon, which was an idea. A guy was going to have a, con- a convention that jump- that went from city to city, almost... It was going to be different things and different anyway, and uh, mm. it was a guy that inherited some money. It was a good, well-intentioned guy. He was going to, um, yes, he was going to uh, take the same group of almost like a traveling show, but it was a convention, and it didn't. You know, he sold tickets and didn't get off the ground. But anyway, people love that. You know, it's the train wreck syndrome, right? It's like people love now, <laughs> as long as you weren't burned. <laughs> but people can tell their war stories now. Um, Mm. Oh, Jared's got um, Jared. You are on fire today. Just the Jared um, show today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jared might be our only audience member left. Uh, when I was in IT at a well-known Orlando area theme park, I think all the theme parks in Orlando are probably well-known Orlando uh, area theme parks. I openly joked for years. Sorry, let me bring it back on screen. Um, that I was a diversity hire because I was the only LGBTQ employee on the team, and so I, I think that's something. A lot of folks from underrepresented groups in an organization that you might be in might fear or doubt or worry that was I only hired because of this thing and kind of question their abilities and their worth to a team. Um, and that, that can bring up a lot of that imposter syndrome that we were talking about um, earlier. Um, well, Larry, is anyone is anyone left here on the show? Um, I, I, I have... I have no idea. Is there? I think there was another one of the uh, the virtuals we're going today, so maybe we've lost. Oh, uh, well, DC DC has an <laughs> event um, that's going on today. Um, that's right. So um, we did. I think. Uh, oh, I should mention a little while back, um, there was a great little back and forth happening here about. Um, about life support live. Let me see if I, I can pull it up. This will be In a our great chat? way. In our chat, yeah, this will be a great way to kind of um, wrap things up. Oh, yes, here we go. Um, I'm not sure who started it. It might have been Jared as well who started this. Um, but he said, uh, the problem with Life Support Live is there isn't enough of it. Um, the problem with Life Support Live is the Life Support Live retreat is too far away. Uh, Scott said the problem with Life Support Live is not every week can, can include an episode viewing. Um, Libby said the problem with Life Support Live is we aren't sitting around chatting in person. Um, there's, uh, I think there might have been a few more, but I really loved seeing everyone's back and forth there. That was, uh, that was quite sweet. You know, Larry, we haven't done a live viewing uh in in a while um i would i would love to do that at some point maybe we can do something in between our lower decks to star trek discovery break yeah i uh, well they there can you know they go right through yeah, say, yeah, maybe, yeah. We, maybe you and i can talk about that sometime but then i went well maybe 
Maybe we could talk about anything sometime. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> this is usually when we're talking. It's while we're recording. Let's just let's just plan life. the next week right now, and yeah, <laughs> we'll actually have each other. Jared said, "Maybe I've I've sedated everyone else in the audience here." Um, Scott says, "I am here. I'm listening and learning." Thank you, Scott. Um, yeah, thanks, Libby. Scott. Libby also saying, I worried about coworkers learning I'm LGBTQ, um, for fear oh. of, uh, losing my job and, but more probably know that I realized, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that, uh, that can be a concern is what will happen if you are outed for your status, um, and how people might, uh, might react. Um, Zahir says, I am immune to your sedative. Uh, now face my wrath, human. <laughs> the people problem with life up, support live sedatives yeah right uh the problem with life support live is we clearly love it and just want more uh thank you scott we we love you all too um this is always such a great time of the week um um all right well larry we should probably wrap things up we were gonna Um, make two one-hour episodes remember i know i know i think we've done pretty well we've got we got a lot in i think we're caught up Um, we did and we've exhausted our sedated uh, chat room so (laughs) thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast we'd love to get your feedback on this episode I'm at Ali Matu on social media and I'm at Larry Nimichek hey if you like this show we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review it'll help more people to discover life support and you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone.